There was a couple of different videos we could have easily played today. Make sure you get out there, keep you in the know about what's happening in the world that's gone mad. The royal wedding happened. Holy cow. That thing was on TV like on a loop. Like 24 hours a day for like five days in a row, it felt like. So my my wife and my mom, they TV'd it. You know, they, they recorded it on three different stations. And then I forget which... Was it Saturday morning? Yeah. What what morning was it? Saturday morning. It started at 2 a.m. I fell asleep at 10, set my alarm for quarter to 2, got up, texted my sisters, woke them up, and the three of us watched the wedding and texted each other at 2 o'clock in the morning. Wow. Uh, Come on. I went to sleep 2 to 3, 3 to 4, 4 to 5, 6, 6, 6. It was over at like 7 or 5. I don't know. I was I, I, could, I was exhausted. It was de- it's and, and it was it's an, it's, it's a woman hour, thing. But it's an eight hour time difference, you know, between here and there. But uh, yeah, I I I got up. So Sarah, th- you know what? I will say this. I'm glad my mom was there because they watched it together. Right. And they, you know, uh, before the party circuit started again, right. you know, so we were out late Friday on the party circuit. Right. Uh, they were actually they didn't get up at two o'clock, but they got up early. Right. Right, and, and watched it. I should have said, yeah, I should have TV'd it. But, but, but my sisters and I sent pictures of each other. You guys are going to laugh. We had hats on. Oh, my we, gosh. We were watching the wedding with our little wedding hats on. The Kentucky, the or the uh, the horse, not the Kentucky Derby. It was the, the Preakness. Right. One again, the, the so we got a tr- potential triple crown winner. He's not going to do it because the Belmont is a lot longer than that one. He barely hung on to win this one, so. Right. But yeah, it was a crazy week. There was a lot going on. A lot going on. I I had a friend text me on Thursday and said, "Hey, you know, Kath and I are going to be in in Phoenix, and they're from Cleveland. It's my friend for forty years. Okay, forty years I've known him. So that was that was just very nice to see him yesterday. And that's about it. There you go. There you go. So that that that, that brings you up to speed on our show, social calendar. Yes, social calendar. Uh, it's only going to be, I think, the nineties all week this week. Next which, week is a, over. A next week, the okay. Yes, so one more be, decent yeah. week. And Monday's Memorial Day, so we're not working. A week from today. A week from today. Wow, it's Memorial yeah, Day already. A week from today, we'll be closed, and everybody will have a. Man, this year's flying by. I know it is. So my son had to register for his dorm room. Ooh, where's he going? Lake Forest in Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. When, yeah. Do, when do you have to take him there? I don't know. Yeah, at some point. I'm it's not sure. Yeah. <laughs> some point is going to happen here. Okay, Joey. You I'm not go sure now. what day he's got to report, but, right. but uh, yeah. So, a lot going on. Lot, a lot, lot going on. But when we get back, I promise you, we're going to talk about what was in the news, what they want you to hear, what actually happened, and then more importantly, the things they didn't tell you about. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back right after the break. 800-951-0592. Gold's up. uh, Well, no. I'll spit it out here. Uh, Gold's down $1.80 right now. Was uh, was down almost $12 immediately after we said the trade war with China was over. The funny part was, is then people started to figure out what that really meant. Now, Wall Street's elated. Because remember, 
the trade deal with Wall Street was it's a give it it's really just a giveaway to Wall Street. It's all it's ever been, right? They know, they get it, they know what they're getting, they know what they're giving up, and they don't care. We got nothing. China agreed to nothing. What was funny was how hard they were out on TV trying to pretend what a great job. Oh, we made, China made a lot of concessions. I was waiting for the lift. There wasn't one. Here's what China agreed to. Hey, we'll try to do better. <laughs> that was it. That's what we got. Well, you know, the, the same thing they've always said. Yeah, well, you know, sure, okay, we'll, do, we'll try. Maybe we'll buy some more agriculture stuff. That that was about it. And and I think it's very telling because when you read what the Chinese said versus what you get here at home, wow, is it different? Matter of fact, uh, the 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 Chinese, uh, the best case scenario is the trade deficit with us is going to get worse, and they know it. And, and they knew they held all the cards, and, and unfortunately for us, right, they weren't going to make us uh, feel any pain, right? In other words, uh, the Wall Street is safe, uh, but this is actually what's got gold rallying back. If, if, here's how you know it would have been a great deal. Wall Street would be down about 1,000 points, just for starters. Uh, gold would probably be down 20 or 30 bucks. The 10-year note would be at new highs. We got none of that. Uh, what we got was uh, let's keep the status quo uh, for a lot longer. And then when you read what the Chinese really said about what they agreed to, they didn't really agree to anything. Matter of fact, most people now, the ones that really know what they're doing, and, and and don't just listen and actually research what's been released. Uh, the trade deficit with the Chinese will continue to worsen. Uh, how about this one? So let's talk about things that we they're not talking about today. Not a lot of talk about Italian bond yields. We'll get to that later. Here's all you need to know. Italy may be to the next Greece. That's all you need to know. Uh, this is going to create a very interesting I think set of events in the bond market and remember this is this is all the doing of central banks. And I know they're out there telling you, "Oh, it's great, everything's great, it's wonderful." Let me ask you this, if things are so wonderful, why is home ownership the lowest in 50 years? If things are so wonderful, why are auto defaults the highest they've been since the 90s? If things are so wonderful, why is it that the 4,788 smaller banks, by the way, we're down to 4,800 banks. Well, 4,888. That's how many banks are left in America. And why is that important? When Ronald Reagan was president, just to put it in perspective, because a lot of the data we're talking about now, we're going back to that time. There was over 16,000 banks. We're now under five, and it continues to shrink. In the first quarter, so that's January, February, March, 
the delinquency rate on credit card loan balances at all 4,788 smaller banks, so the take out the top 100, spiked to 5.9%, which is, that's enormous. That's actually worse than the peak of the financial crisis for the, for the banks outside of the top 100. The charge-off rate spiked to 8%. This is almost the exact level of the crisis. So the default rates are higher. The charge-off rates, getting, give it another quarter, they're going to be higher. Across all commercial banks, so if you throw the top 100 back in there, the delinquency rate was sitting at 2.54%. The delinquency rate at the top 100 banks sitting at 248. So you can see you can see the banks that matter. We're really down to 100 banks that matter. We got 4,788 banks waiting to be bought by these 100. The large banks which have been offering uh, a lot of appeal to, to lure in customers, but they say that the delinquency rate chart for the largest hundred banks is starting to, well, get ready to rise. The charge-offs rose to 3.73%, which is an indication that the delinquency rates are starting to rise for those banks as well. But how great is it? I mean, think about it. We've got delinquency rates on credit cards. We're back to the crisis again. We've got auto loan rates worse than the crisis. Home ownership levels are at the lowest level since the Reagan era, probably even actually maybe in into the 70s. They're talking about households in America where 40% now, cannot live in the middle class. Or, I guess, let me restate, don't live in the middle class. And they're saying this is the great, you know, if you want to believe it, this is one of the greatest times around. By the way, stock market's back to, I think it's back to even for the year. 51 million households. Or 43% of all households can't afford a basic monthly budget consisting of housing, food, transportation, child care, health care, and a smartphone bill, a cell phone. So let me give you what they just, 43% of all households. So, so figure, look out your neighborhoods, okay? Every other house, not quite. Six out of every ten can't afford a budget comprised of housing, right? So a mortgage or rent, right? You know, rent adjusted if you're at the Federal Reserve. Food, okay? So shelter, food, transportation. And they said transportation. Notice they didn't say car. Bus, right? Uber, 
lift, right, whatever it may be, any, transportation, care of a child, you got to, you know, take care of the kid, health care, and a monthly smart, smartphone bill. And you know what's funny is that I didn't see electricity in there. <laughs> you know, I didn't see outside of health care, I didn't see car insurance. Right? I didn't see homeowners insurance or renters. I didn't see any insurance. I didn't see uh, fuel. I didn't see any cable TV. I didn't see I didn't see any of that. I didn't see a trash, water, property tax. I didn't see any of those things in there. According to data released by the government, the 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 project, as they call it, because that's where you all end up. We're all going to end up living in the projects. Uses standardized measurements to calculate what they call the bare-bones household budget in each county in every state. It maintains that the federal uh, poverty level currently $25,100 for a family of four does not accurately illustrate the number of people living in poverty because it doesn't take into account the dramatically different cost of living across the United States. In other words, they're, what they're saying is this poverty level is nowhere close to accurate. Matter of fact, my guess would be only in the extreme cheapest parts of the country is that number applicable. The magnitude of financial instability in this country has been grossly misunderstood and obscured by misleading in averages and outdated poverty calculations. Now, I wonder who would want to do that. And this is what I've been talking about forever. But we, we just want to pretend it hasn't. Is it just me? Has anybody else seen the spike in homeless? They are everywhere here. And they're growing now. Now they're hanging out. I don't know if you've seen this now. This is new for us. But at the exits of the supermarkets, you know, it used to be they're they're at every you know freeway overpass exit, right? They're all, we we know that. But now I'm seeing them at the, you know, as people are leaving the supermarket, and they're sitting there, uh, um, you know, as you're trying to get onto uh, a side street, and they're just everywhere. It is unacceptable and economically unsustainable for our country to have so many hard-working families not even be able to live paycheck to paycheck. Man, it's incredible. When they go through the numbers, too, uh, it really is amazing when, when they calculate that according to their bare bones, this was not, this was ditto, not ghetto fabulous. This was more like ghetto living. Right? Bare bones. And a lot of their quote-unquote bare bones, because I looked at the whole report, there's 
even bare bones. They missed stuff. You know, stuff that probably added up to an extra three or $400 a month easy. And they're saying 43% live below that level. And and when you start thinking about, you know, this, how are, how is this really going to work? Really, you, you're getting the bubble signs again everywhere, right? Wall Street's not at an all-time high, but but it's still it's twenty-five thousand, right? Way too high. You, you look at housing prices, ridiculous, right? No one can afford one, and now interest rates are rising, so now you really can't afford one. You you, you look at home ownership rates. You you look at uh, when you get into the number of people in the workforce, and you start looking inside of all of these. Uh, reports. You look at inflation. You look at uh, cost of living. You look at all these reports, and they're all made up. And and I hate to use the word made up, but they're made up. And 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 you really start to figure out what's really happening, and it's a slow death. And you have. All of these people that have fallen outside of the middle class. Matter of fact, the the the, the fastest shrinking part of America is the middle class. Right, the, the only parts that are growing. Right, we got a little bit of growth at the high end, and we got a whole lot of growth at the low end. Patriot Radio News Hour. I've got a bad feeling about how this is all going to end. We'll be back after the break. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. California has been the primary battleground over sanctuary city immigration policies. Late last year, Governor Jerry Brown escalated this fight when he signed SB 54, known as the California Values Act, into state law. This legislation essentially made California a sanctuary state, vastly limiting who state and local law enforcement agencies can hold, question, and transfer at the request of federal immigration authorities. But many local governments and law enforcement agencies are taking exception to this now statewide policy. The leadership of the Orange County Sheriff Department has been one of the most vocal opponents of this new sanctuary law. On March 26th, Orange County Sheriff Don Barnes took a bold step by announcing that they are now publicly providing information on when inmates are released from custody. An already existing Who's in Jail online database now includes the date and time of inmates' release. This move will greatly enhance communication between federal immigration agents and local law enforcement. Of course, the new information will apply to all inmates, not just those suspected of being in the country illegally. But the goal will ultimately be to assist immigration and customs enforcement. Sheriff Barnes said, This is in response to SB 54, limiting our ability to communicate with federal authorities, and our concern that criminals are being released to the streets when there's another avenue to safeguard the community by handing them over to ICE. Other Orange County communities are experiencing a similar backlash when they defend the people. The city council in Los Alamitos voted in March on an ordinance to exempt their city entirely from the new state sanctuary law. 
A few other Orange County municipalities are considering resolutions as well, or other moves to voice their opposition to this law. The Yorba Linda City Council has even agreed to file an amicus brief supporting the Trump administration's suit against California. The Orange County Board of Supervisors has considered a range of potential actions, including even pursuing litigation against their own state. It's encouraging to see boldness from local governments and law enforcement agencies as they fight to defend the rule of law in their home state of California. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Illegal immigration burdens our schools and social services and opens doors to criminals and terrorists. Outdated visa programs divert jobs from Americans. PhyllisSchlafly.com chronicles these outrageous unfair practices and provides answers. Go online to PhyllisSchlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. 800-951-0592. You know, we talked a lot about the gig economy, right, and how it's messed up the unemployment claims and jobless claims and unemployment insurance. And there's been a another great report that has been done uh, talking about the new gig economy, uh, referring to the increasing list of companies like uh, Airbnb, right, people renting out their rooms. Uh, you know, we talk about Lyft and Uber, Postmates, Taxi. Uh, task rabbit, right? When you, I don't know, put together somebody else's dresser. They hire temporary workers who, uh, you know, from uh, odd jobs to driving you around. They said, according to the BLS, okay, so for those of you that don't know the BLS, that's the Bureau, Bureau of Labor Statistics, they're having difficulty counting the number of of independent contractors and continuing or uh, contingent workers. So, first of all, I'm proud of them for admitting that, hey, we're having a hard time counting them. I don't know why you would be. Because when you uh, work for these companies, you're supposed to fill out, you know, the, I think it's a, a W-9 or an I-9, right? you got to fill it out so they can send you money. You would think they'd be able to track that. They believe that the gig worker, or now about 34% of the workforce. <laughs> what? I don't know, right? I, I'm not sure how, I'm, I'm shocked it's that, is it that big already? They believe that it is going to climb to 43% of the workforce in the next few years. Millions of millennials, they've embraced the gig economy. See, doesn't that sound better? When they when you say that they've embraced it, and they've got a guy, uh, and he's, whole, he, he's got a big smile on his face, he's got the window down on his car, He's holding out his cell phone with with Uber on it and and uh, acting like, hey, this is the greatest job ever. According to the latest report about this gig economy that the BLS says is having a hard time 
Well, they use the word difficulty and actually counting how many people now really work in this gig economy. The latest reports delivered a shocking reality about the average income of these uh, embraced millennials, as they call it, which is much lower than the actual minimum wage across the country. The latest figures from the Economic Policy Institute, listen, this is it. This is what I keep saying. The, the good jobs have been replaced by crappy ones. And the problem is you need three crappy jobs just to try to not be in poverty. On Tuesday, so you go back last week, they published a report. So they collected all the data, right? They they took the uh, the uh W-2 equivalents for all of these uh, drivers. They did it for Uber, okay? So, And I think we would all agree. Uber's probably the biggest of the gig jobs. They said that Uber drivers' compensation is around $11.77 an hour. Unfortunately, Uber deducts fees and expenses from that, and you end up with $10.87 per hour once Social Security and Medicare taxes are deducted. According to the report, the Uber driver wage is comparable to wages earned by regular uh, employees of $9.21. I guess I guess fuel cost would be my guess. That's why it's lower. So your take-home pay after working for Uber, after commissions, booking fees, uh, federal, state, and local taxes. Oh, I didn't see wages in that. Maybe that was just taxes. It brings tax after taxes. That puts the Uber driver in the bottom 10th percentile of private sector wages, indicating that drivers make 90% less, or or less than what 90% of the average American earns per hour. 34, what did they say? I want to get it right. 34% of the new economy now, jobs today, these are the jobs. This is what they're talking about. They started actually listing cities. Uh, um, And and you look at minimum wages, uh, the Uber driver is right next to Phoenix, Arizona. $10.87 Phoenix, our minimum wage here is $10.50 Denver, $10.20. And again, I didn't see fuel cost in there. According to the Economic Policy Institute, they said that these types of jobs are now the most prevalent job in America today. 
and they said they are leaving workers in this new gig economy drowning in debt and wage stagnation are about to discover that the American dream evaporated a long time ago. And it is. Think about it. I mean, I said, how many times have I said the real heroes to these people out there working all these jobs? I mean, because uh, I, I believe this. Most Americans, we want to work. Listen, we want to work. We want to have the family. We want to have the kids, the dog, the white picket fence. The problem is we can't afford any of those things because nobody wants to pay. Speaking of paying, Goldman Sachs, they were the first big bank to warn about the trajectory of the U.S. fiscal policy. Okay, so that's your your national debt level. That was three months ago. They've got a new report out. I'm going to share it with you next. But don't worry, we agreed to nothing with China today. Wow, Goldman Sachs. I got to start following these guys a little more. So here, here's what they they warned: if Congress continues to extend existing policies, including the recently enacted tax and spending legislation. It's enacted. The federal debt, along with interest expense, puts the United States in a worse fiscal position than the experience of the forties. Right? That was by the way, that was World War Two. <laughs> Remember they always oh the debt was the worst since World War Two. By the way, just so you know to, to give some color to that the debt then was like 200 billion dollars we go in 200 billion dollars into debt ever in a month it said that the continued growth of public debt raises eventual sustainability questions that have been left unchecked i like that word Sustainability question. What do you think that means? Right? What, what do you think they were uh, didn't want to say in plain English? But that was actually pr- pretty plain. Right? I don't know how people are going to, how are you going to finance it? They, will, they project that the federal deficit will increase from $825 billion. Okay, so that's what they're, they're, they're saying it is today. Okay, so we don't know what the number is yet. Right, but Goldman starts at $825 billion. That'd be the small number. My guess is that number's going to be closer to a trillion, but we'll use their number, 825. And this is 2018. Which, by the way, they say that's over 4% of GDP. Remember, if you had to stay below 3, according to the last 25 years, but now they don't talk about it anymore. 
They say it will grow every single year. And by in the next three years, it will exceed 5.5% of GDP. And by 10 years, it will rise to over $2 trillion. That's going to be the small number. And you know what? I've been saying this for how long? That means the, the other number, the big number, the real number, is going to be $3 trillion. They project in the next 10 years, the small number of the debt will exceed 7% of GDP, and that's their baseline scenario. That's the best part. That's not the worst case scenario. That's the baseline case. The baseline case assumes that all expiring tax provisions will be extended, which that's what Congress does, right? They they all they extend them all. And that discretionary spending will only increase slightly further. And again, this is why I said this is their baseline. Uh, they, uh, I don't know why they would say that because obviously, and I guess part of it, they did give a little, a little color behind that because we've had such a big increase in that. They're hoping that it'll only be slightly farther from there, and that they, and this is so. Here's their their ten year projection. Eight hundred twenty five billion to two trillion. That is the ten year projection. That's from from the right wing wacko group called Goldman Sachs, right? The tinfoil helmet wearers from Goldman just got into to to double J's camp. <laughs> Listen, here's the funny part. They actually do tell the truth. They do. They just don't say it on television. Right where they go out and they come out and they send out their analysts and tell you how great your stock return's going to be and make sure you maximize your 401k. They said that no matter in their best case scenario, so there was baseline, the, de- <laughs> the deficit and the debt levels will still be very, very close to their baseline forecast. Now, here's what I didn't see, unfortunately, was the not-so-good forecast. They, I, didn't, I didn't see that in this particular report. I'm going to look for it. But here's what you can expect. Remember what I told you. We're only at inning one. And I know people get excited. You know, gold fell last week. Oh, no. And, of course, I told you that it's it's really not anything to do with gold. It has more to do with what's happening in the bond markets. And remember, I told you, they think they actually can print out $20 trillion. All the central banks of the world, they add it all up. We're about $20 trillion in, that they can just start getting rid of it and nothing bad was going to happen and now we're seeing it looks like we're going to watch Italy for for quite a while now they had right at the end of the day today 
another huge spike in the Italian bond yields. Uh, they they didn't understand. They don't know what it was. There wasn't some last minute report, but somebody has aggressively gone the other way on Italian bond yields. Uh, and, and again, this has put the whole thing, really all of Europe, into flux as the Italians over the weekend were talking about issuing a second currency. Right? Their citizens would use one currency, the Eurozone, for the government currency. 800-951-0592. We'll be back right after the break. 800-951-0592. Today's special, the gold buffaloes. These are the one-ounce buffaloes. These are the only 24-carat gold coin that the U.S. Mint makes. Uh, this is like the gold eagle, but this is the buffalo. Uh, the gold eagles, 22 carats. So you can be a little rough with the gold eagles. It'll be fine. These buffaloes, you got to handle with care. Uh, they be, they come individually packaged. They don't stack buffaloes on top of one another uh, because the 24 carat gold is really soft. Uh, so they'll scratch real easy. So they they come in a I'll, I'll call it like a plastic film on them. Uh, we, we've got quite a few available to us, 1 through 19 at 1375, 20 or more, 1350 on a gold buffalo, one ounce gold buffalo today at 800 951 uh, Gold's $1,289. Uh, it's down about two bucks. Silver's up. Six cents right now, sixteen dollars forty-six cents. The Dow is up three hundred points because the trade war with China's on hold. What did we get? Nothing. Yep, that's right. Well, we, I, I guess that's not true. We got them to say that they'll try to do better. Yep, they'll 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 try to buy some more stuff from us. Apparently, we went over there. And, and I don't know what we did. I would assume we'd go over there with, hey, look at all the stuff we make here in America. Look at all this stuff. you got to want to buy some of it. <laughs> Chinese looked at it and said, eh, nah, no, we don't. We're okay. What do you want to do now? Apparently what we decided to do was call, call time out. Uh, but don't worry, we're going to focus on NAFTA now. I, I just... If I was the NAFTA country, if I was like Mexico, I'd do that, right? Uh, not a great sign, but they talked real positive today. I want to be fair. Steve Mnuchin came out on the idiot box and talked about the great progress, and Larry Kudlow and Wilbur, they all did. Said, no, no, don't worry. China promised that they're going to be nice. And that it, it, it's, it, 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 it's a win. It's a win for the U.S. Not really. Right, it's it, and again, I'll be honest with you. I didn't think that was the one that we had. I had the least amount of hope for. I, I do think we can leverage Canada, Mexico, the NAFTAs, uh, but but China had the cards, and and they just uh, it wasn't Trump's fault. He's not the one who negotiated these horrible deals to begin with. Oh, he he tried to renegotiate. 
unfortunately, the Chinese kind of, you know, had us by the you-know-what. This is why you put things away, because eventually you get to this point. And you don't have to believe me. I get it. Listen, do your own research. Right? You, you can go out, and you get that report from Goldman Sachs. They actually tell you their baseline projection for 2028 is a $2 trillion deficit small number. And that's if nothing goes wrong. 800-951-0592. Patriot Radio News Hour. Have a great Monday. Congratulations to all the graduates out there. At least I think it's congratulations. We'll talk again tomorrow.